Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. My name is Phil Strum. So glad you joined me today. My guest is someone I've interacted with online for a long time. Never actually spoke to him until this week. You might know him as Seahawk on Twitter or elsewhere, but it's Cameron Hawkins from The Ringer and Fightful and the other websites. He's a great wrestling feature writer who I feel just understands the business and the genre of pro wrestling really, really well. If you haven't checked out his stuff before, you should. He's someone I've always wanted to shoot the breeze with about wrestling, and I think you'll find our conversation interesting. So here we go with Cameron Hawkins. So pleased to finally have on the show an outstanding writer and someone I find myself agreeing with on Twitter a lot from The Ringer and Fightful and wherever you get your good content. It's Cameron Hawkins. Cam, welcome to Under the Ring for Wrestling Conversations. So glad to talk to you finally. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. This is so cool. Yeah, thank you so much. Let's start with the beginning what was your entry into covering pro wrestling media wise and how did you get caught up in this crazy world yeah um graduated college in 2008 and you know a bunch of my buddies had um moved away you know different jobs different parts of the country um and so i was really just like looking for stuff to latch on to so um i came across i think it was just like prowrestling.com and they used to have just like results for stuff and so I'd read that often. They'd have like some rumors and news. And um, somehow that got to me um, finding Pro Wrestling Torch. Mm. And I would listen to um, their different podcasts. Then I found the East Coast cast. It was uh, Travis Bright and Barjay Purnell. And they had a call-in show um, every week, every Wednesday at 5.30 until the cows came home, right? So, you know, I would call in and I would give like opinions and thoughts. And um, they liked them, you know, and eventually that turned into me doing some some co-hosting with them and then the co-hosting for me was like well you know i can do this but i write too you know my degrees in english um i have been writing like a um i've been writing a blog with some buddies of mine just like pop culture stuff world news stuff and it all just kind of merged you know everything kind of came together and i was doing um the east coast cast and i was doing um post shows with Wade Keller and I was helping Bruce Mitchell produce his podcast. Um, so yeah. And then, and then I was like, Hey, wait, I can write. And I was writing about the Kofi Kingston's and the NWAs of the world. And um, yeah, it, that, that's, that was kind of the genesis of it all. That's cool. What kind of stuff did you grow up on? Any, any, you know, wrestling wise, mm-hmm. oh, anybody I mean, stand um, out to you as all time favorites and stuff too? Like who, who did you, I don't know what, yeah. you know, what you grew up on. I was a big, um, you know, I was a big, Razor Ramon guy as a kid, man. I loved Razor Ramon. Like Saturday morning superstars, he was going through, he was taking jobbers out. Um, I would watch, uh, like whenever I would be with like my dad on the weekends, you know, we get up in the morning and watch superstars and then watch WCW Saturday night, unless the Braves were playing. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, 
that was me as a kid. And of course, like I was a Razor Ramon guy when I was really young. Um, you know, everybody loves your your Macho Mans and your Hogan's and your Warriors and all that. Um, but yeah, Scott Hall, Razor Ramon was like the first guy to really stand out to me. I was like, this guy's cool. And uh, yeah, that was it. And I think you're a little younger than me. So is there wrestling media that you grew up consuming? And does that what. differ? Does that differ from what you consume now? What's really interesting, so it wasn't when I was like a little, little kid. Like I did, um, I did read PWI, which is really crazy for me because like now I like write for PWI. Like right behind me, if you can see it, like there's uh, the first thing I did for PWI. It was a uh, wow an article about Alley Cat. And uh, whenever you write for PWI, they send you two copies of what you nice. write. So I sent one to my grandmother, one to my mother. I came home for Thanksgiving, I think, and my mom had it framed for me, so it was so cool. Um, and she wouldn't buy me PWI as a kid. I used to have to sit there in the grocery store and like read it while she shopped. Um, but that <laughs> was kind of my my only like real print media. But what happened was, um, like when I'm starting to find wrestling on the internet, I used to watch the Pro Wrestling Report with uh, Damian Nelson, and he treated he get on there in a suit, and he was so serious and. Um, I found him on Twitter a couple of years back and I just told him, I was like, me being in this space kind of exists because I saw you do it and how serious you were about it and what it meant to you. And then like, I'm at, uh, I'm at uh, whatever convention they always have for, for WrestleMania weekend. It's like WrestleCade or something. WrestleCon. WrestleCon. There you go. And like, I'm leaving WrestleCon and he walks up to me and I don't even recognize him because he's like super jacked now. But I just have these pictures of me being shocked to meet him. I'm telling his friends how cool he is. Like, this is why I get to do what I do. It was so exciting. But yeah, that was, um, as a little kid, it was PWI. And then, you know, around college time, I was starting to get into these shows on YouTube. Yeah. For me, it was PWI as a kid. And then, you know, when I went to college, that was kind of the first time I was on the internet because I'm, I'm 44. So it's like, that was when I just started discovering the whole like underbelly of yeah. insider wrestling journalism and figuring out what was good out of that. I was on uh, online onslaught a lot, which was actually Rick sky who passed away uh, earlier this year. His site uh, was actually quite good, but it was a lot of opinion stuff. I didn't, I years later, I figured out who Meltzer and Keller were and everything yeah. else. But um, so Interviewing big stars like Sting and Ricky Starks and Dax Harwood, L.A. Knight, MJF, what about those kinds of interviews excites you? And how do the expectations that you have going in them match up with what actually happens? Yeah. So, I mean, the thing with Starks, um, you know, we were friends before uh, before the article. So what happened was um, I was – Life is weird. I was at brunch one day with some buddies and there was a a bachelorette party and they all had like these really crazy wigs. So I took a picture of it and I put it on Twitter and Starks was like, yo, you saw that? I was like, yeah. He's like, you live in Austin? I was like, yeah. So a couple of weeks later, he was like, hey, let's go get a drink. And this is probably October of 2021, give or take so, somewhere like summer 2021, I want to say. And so um, when I got the job at the ringer, I immediately like texted him like, Rick, I got to talk to you. Rick, I got to talk to you. Um, and so in my mind, I felt like I had been writing that for like a year and a half, getting to know the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, it This is the thing that I tell people, Phil, and I always say it, and it's never to be like, never to brag. It's just to, to tell a story. So when I was at the University of Texas, the school was 1% black. 
And that mm -hmm. is like including the athletes. And so, you know, we all kind of hung around each other. So like, you know, like me and Vince Young are friends, me and PJ Tucker are friends. Um, and so like when I'm out with my buddies now or new people I meet and like, they're like, that's Vince Young. And then Vince will come up to me and say hi. And they think it's the craziest thing. It's like, no, it was almost out of necessity. So me kind of having that experience at 17 makes it way easier at 37, right? So with all that said, Sting was still kind of like, okay, this is this is different. This is a lot yeah. um, because that's somebody I grew up watching. Like, you know, Rick is about my age. Dax is about my age. I love what they do. I love their craft, but they, they feel more like real people to me. Yeah. Sting was a little bit like, okay, this is something different. This is a guy who, you know, I've been watching since I was five years old, be the biggest deal on the planet. But um, I, I, I haven't really gotten like nervous or starstruck, really. I understand like the contribution that people have to this thing. I understand um, the great things that they've done, but I think what, what makes it work and why the AEWs and WWEs of the world are, you know, are comfortable with me talking to their talent is I'm comfortable around them. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's never felt too big. Now, Jade Cargill is a different story. That woman has an aura about her. Um, <laughs> she is different. It's different. But um, no, I think, um, you know, Sting was was a lot. Steve Austin was was really big for me because, you know, he was living, you know, 30 minutes from me most of my teenage years. You know, I used to have a friend who would hang out on his ranch and come brag about it. So nice. that was a little surreal for me. But um, for the most part, um, what feels big is once the stories are on paper and the reaction, I, that feels bigger to me. That makes it feel like it's something a little bit outside of myself. And I like the approach that you take with them too. You know, I'm, I'm somebody who took classes in, in literary journalism when I was in college too. And it's, it's a lot of that. It's not your, it's not your normal news. It's not your, even your normal feature necessarily. You're, you're getting under the, under the, you're explaining to people what these people's like, guts and their soul is and that's what you want to do if you're explaining it wrestlers are interesting people too i mean yes. like mm -hmm. so i don't know how if you agree with that assessment but i you know i i really appreciated that about uh, about reading some of your stuff yeah so when we talk about sport like real sport um you know when you talk to pro athletes, football players, basketball players, you do really want to make sure that you're talking about the X's and O's because it is specifically about, you know, what's happening and what you're seeing with wrestlers. So much of what they do is open to interpretation, right? right. So much of it is, um, is subjective. And so I can tell you about who fought who at the Tokyo Dome March of 1993. And that's all great. And that's well and good, but that's something, that's something anybody can do. You know, like I want you to know why Ricky Starks has this piece of art in his house. I want you to know like why Dax Harwood has taken this approach with his singles matches to elicit a certain emotion. Like I want to talk about why AEW is perfect for Sting because of the way things might not have gone at other companies. Yeah, it's like you said, you know, the classes you've taken, you know, I, I took journalism classes when I was in school. Um, my favorite story is me and my, my one of my best friends from middle school and high school. We ended up going to uh, 
both going to UT at the same time. And we would skip class like I'd go to a class and she'd go to a class. We'd give each other notes so we didn't have to show up. Now she's a news anchor in Scottsdale. <laughs> so, like, she went to a couple of more classes than I did. I, I love you to death, Ashley. But um, you know, this is something <laughs> I kind of had in my pocket. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it was just looking for the right outlet to tell these stories. And um, wrestling is great for it, man. It's so, it's so vivid and, like I said, open to interpretation that I can really get to – what I feel like is like you said, the guts of it all and paint that picture that I think makes it really accessible. And, you know, I don't know if I'm better than anybody, but I'm doing something that nobody else is doing. And I think yeah. that makes it really stand out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do prep for all of my shows. What does prep look like for you when you're getting an availability with somebody that does it differ, whether it's a zoom or a stream yard versus if you actually have access to them in person. So if I, uh, just kind of going down the list, right? Um, I'm, I'm thinking about him as we talk. So, like, I, I just talked to MJF uh, in August going into All In. But, you know, MJF's my man. Like, that's that's a friend of mine. And so we've been talking wrestling since 2020. You know what I mean? So I've watched, like, him grow. And, you know, I hear about things that he wants to do, things he's thinking of trying. I go back and revisit what I think worked and what didn't work like with him. You know what I mean? And, and so that's, and, and we've had conversations like about, you know, life, you know, so that makes it easier. Um, With, with Dax Harwood, again, that's all stuff on paper. I didn't really know the guy, but I knew what I wanted to approach. Um, It, it all depends on the subject, but like, you know, I got um the thing with LA Knight. It was, I don't want to go in talking about a lot of what I know about you. I don't want to do that because I think LA Knight was more of a, we don't really want to talk about Eli Drake. Not that there's anything wrong with Eli Drake, but you are a thing right now that you've never been before and everything's come together. Let's kind of focus there. So, you know, it's the Wikipedia's and then I'm asking your peers about you. I'm asking your friends. um, And, you know, sometimes I might like, I don't know, see where a guy went to high school and then look up what his stats were if he played ball and revisit that. You know what I mean? um, It really does vary by subject because I kind of have an idea of what I want to go into it with. Like you are, I think we talked um, that, you know, there's, this is going to come out when it comes out. So I can say it to you and it'll already be in motion, but um I got somebody coming up that I'm actually interviewing later today and they've been a real focal point of what WWE's done for the last few years. The cool thing about it is, you know, we were in a room together in April for a very long time. And I kept telling them, I'm going to tell this story. This is a story that I need to tell. Your story needs to be heard and I'm going to do it the right way. And, you know, we're, we're, you know, talking about this over a bottle of champagne, right? And, it, and it's it's funny, but it's also, there's a familiarity now and yeah. uh, a recognition that this is somebody genuinely concerned with my well-being. I know they're going to tell the story the right way. So it varies, but I've been really lucky, Phil, to have personal relationships with yeah. people whose stories I can now tell. I think that's great. And, I, you know, for me, somebody I always tried to, and I told them this when we had them on the show, but... When I had Bill Apter on, I, I, you know, I see the way that he treats wrestlers and I see the way that they treat him back. 
And it's the respect that he has for it that allows him the access that he's going to get. Like, I don't think I necessarily have as many of the personal relationships with you. I, I do know several wrestlers personally, but you know, at the same time, like I, I think that it's all about how comfortable they are with the person who's talking to them. Like, yeah. I think that's all I mean, that I will chalk up any success that this podcast has had to that is that if people are comfortable being on here mm-hmm. and answering questions about themselves, and it's not always going to be wrestling because honestly, I think the, you know, I think the wrestling stuff in some cases is secondary and less interesting than, than some of the life stuff. So yeah. we, um, so in January, um, the Royal Rumble was in San Antonio and I grew up in San Antonio. So I was like, Hey, I'm going to go home for the week. Um, Maybe I'll get lucky and catch an interview. I'm going to go to like WWE's public events, you know, all that. I get an email and it's like, hey, we're doing our NIL dinner tonight. Would you like to come? Like, sure. Like, I figure it's like big banquet thing, right? Right. I get to the restaurant. The restaurant is closed, but there's a guy out front. The guy out front is like, uh, Hey, you're here for WWE? I'm like, yeah. So he's like, okay, come with me. So we walk into the restaurant. Uh, he walks us down to the cellar. And like it's like two media people, some WWE execs. It's Big E and it's Omos, right? And Big E looks at me and he's like, hey, Seahawk, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, God, okay. Like, And, you know, we've interacted. And then he looks at um, my date. And he's like, hey, you're Danny Trejo's cousin, right? I'm like, oh, Biggie knows my whole life, right? So it's already like we know each other and we're familiar. Um, and then Omos is there with him. I've never met Omos, but like, you know, he's a super nice guy. So we get to talking, we're talking, you know, how, you know, what his plans are. He's telling me about like just the visual of Saudi Arabia. And so him and I actually sit, uh, he's at the next table. So his back's like to me the whole dinner. The whole time I'm messing with him, Phil. I'm like, yo, you going to eat that? And he's like, yeah, I'm eating. I was like, hey, I think I might want that plate. And we're joking around and we're having a ball, right? Fast forward to uh, WrestleMania. There's um, my man Emilio Sparks from Wrestle Rap and mm-hmm. helps host Wally Mania and a million things. He's like, Cam, I need you to come with me to Sirius. I was like, for what? He's like, we're writing a show for DJ Who Kid. I was like, Okay, I guess I'm writing a radio show today. And then, you know, uh, my man, Carmelo Hayes, who I'm tight with, Trick Williams, uh, they're there, MVP, Top Dollar, Shanti, everybody's there. And Omos comes in, and he just has the biggest grin on his face. He's like, yo, from the dinner. And it's really cool. So I've been blessed, man. I've been blessed to like get into these smaller rooms when, yeah. you know, WWE and AEW are doing things. And so then when, you know, these larger events are happening, it's like, hey, that's Cam from X, Y, and Z. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're familiar with you already. I feel like representation in wrestling is better than it's been in the years that I've been watching. I want to talk to you about what steps are still needed, what blind spots do fans need to acknowledge that we might not be thinking about when it comes to groups of people in wrestling, whether it's black, Latino, LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. And can wrestling be a good place for all of those people? Yeah, so um, one thing I do acknowledge, um, you know, Sean Radican is my – one of my mentors at PW Torch, and Sean has done the dirty work for years. He was writing about ROH and PWG and whatever, like independent promotion, while everybody else is talking about the WWEs, WCWs, and all that. Right. And, and, you know, me and Sean have had this conversation. I was like, Sean, you know, I, I think it's, I love the position I'm in, but I recognize that 
one of the things that I contribute is a familiar face to the current crop of talent. You know, like that, that is, that is true. Like wrestling is getting blacker and browner and whatever. Right. So first off, like, I think that having more black people and people of color in management in these companies yep. and like backstage is going to help with the rest of it, because then, you know, then your stories aren't put every black person in the hurt business. <laughs> you know, yep. every black person don't need to be in the nation of domination. I think the biggest thing and I think both companies have done a good job. You don't have to tell the stories that you've been telling. We can flesh out these people as people like I love that. Mello and Trick are having a basically a new HBK Diesel story, right? Yeah. Like that's what they're having. And it's, of course, they, they dress the way they dress. They talk the way they talk. They have inflections and style and all that. But at its base, this is not a black story. This is a story about um, big brother, little brother, you know, like, like it's being treated like real people. Um, you know, Bobby Lashley, has been allowed to be Bobby Lashley and not some facsimile of what big black people should act like. Bianca Belair, and I, I've championed this a million times, Vince McMahon, I feel like, has always been looking for the black all-American athlete to really produce because that's something that is universal. You know, if you went to a college, you went to a high school, like, you know that guy. Well, ultimately, that turned out to be that girl. It turns out to be that Bianca Belair is that. She is... I think the closest thing they're going to have to a John Cena, she is great smile, great look. Um, the way she is with people is amazing. So really, I absolutely think that on that level, um, you know, they're, they're making strides to really normalize being a person of color and not being pigeonholed. Now, um, and also like with the LGBTQ community, like I think AEW just absolutely treating Nyla Rose like the great wrestler and the great talent and the great personality that she is and not having to say a word more is a great step. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you know, WWE does not like talk about, um, you know, like a, a Shayna Baszler's, you know, sexuality, you know what I mean? Um, they had, you know, Darren Young there for the longest. Um, you had Sonny Kiss and AEW. I think that, and, and right now you have um, Anthony Bowens who is killing it, right? Yeah. I think that, and, and of course, like they're campy about what they do, but it's funny. He's not even the campy one. <laughs> no. Faster, right. Um, but no, I, I think that both companies and especially on the indies, they are championing, championing like big, these people and not treating them like they're a weird thing or a different thing. They are making this more standard. And I think that especially on the, on the independent level, wrestling has become a very comfortable place for um, the queer community. It ain't perfect. No. It sure ain't perfect because we still need those people now in management and in charge. Like that has to happen. But yeah. I think that, you know, the landscape is different than it was 10, 15 years ago. I like to feel like, what I've done has contributed to that, but you know, WWE has, um, you know, Tavia Regina, who is essentially a lot of the talents road manager, uh, a black woman, you know, Will Washington is in the writing room now in AEW. So it, it's trending the right direction. It absolutely it's happening. Yeah. It's interesting, but you mentioned that too, because when I had uh, Conan on, that was basically his answer to me when I was asking, Okay, WWE's been looking for Rey Mysterio as long as Rey Mysterio's been there. The next one, what do they really actually need to be looking for? And he's like, hey, if I'm running a company, I want my 
office, I want my writing team to look like my talent. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's basically the bottom line. He's like, I don't think there are. And he, he said, too, you know, he's like, you know, Michael Hayes and Paul Haven and some of these guys are, are brilliant guys that I've worked with. And I know they're brilliant guys, but they're not Latino. And if you if you're looking for that, I, I didn't I didn't wouldn't have thought of it the way that you did at the end there about like the ways that it is actually changing. So that's actually really encouraging to think about as uh, right. as, you, as, you, as you look at it on another level. I got really angry at the MJF anti-Semitism stuff. Did I get too fired up and should I have been? Okay. So um, the week that that happened, and listen, you know, um, he's 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 been very public about things that have happened to him. Right. There's a lot of conversations that we've had. Um, you know, we, we touched on it uh, when I wrote about it. But when it happened, you know, I immediately reached out and I said, look, Max, I understand the story that you're trying to tell. It ain't the time to tell it. Like like the the, the, the landscape right now, this is not the time to tell that story. Um, you are, you know, I, I thought it was unfair to juice, you know. Yeah. Um, I thought it put him in a position he didn't need to be in. He was already doing great. And, you know, Max's reply to me was, you know, this is my story. You know, this is my story. This this is what I live. And and listen, again, we've talked about it at length. I know exactly that's how he feels. My thing was this. Wrestling to me is not sophisticated enough to tell that story. That was that, that, they yeah, that was, that was what I that was my main point, too. Yeah. It, it's not, you know, and, and this isn't the only time they've tried something dealing with race, dealing with sexuality, that that like you remember the the Molina and Batista thing. And boy, I'm glad they stopped that as soon as they realized what they were doing. You know what I mean? Like it, it's not the medium to tell that because you don't have edits, you don't have cuts. This isn't ran through nine different test groups before you do it, and then we get a final yeah. product. You know what I mean? It just um I'm glad they went away from it as fast as they did. And again, all, all love and respect to Max. He goes through things I'll never have to go through. And I think that's one of the reasons I can consider us friends because I do have to sometimes look at things from a different perspective. But it just was not the space, the time for that specific story. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And it's it's important to say, too, because I, I feel like this everything gets lost in the, the message on Twitter when you're trying to have – that's not the place to even have really a discourse. But um, it's just – you can tell that kind of story in wrestling, but you're to your point, everything is time and place. So if you pick the wrong one, you probably made a misstep. Yeah. And to me, it was just like knowing what was going on in the world, but also seeing the rise in anti-Semitism and the rise in Islamophobia and that kind of stuff. And it's like, boy, is this, yeah. I don't see crowds that I'm sitting in taking this the correct way or chanting things that I'm going to want to hear. So yeah. that was, that was pretty much it. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad we got to touch on that because if you have any perspective <laughs> on it, like what's great now is that I I've literally I prepped so much for this and I have half a sheet of stuff that I'm not even going to get to. So we're, <laughs> we're, we're going to have to do this again another time, too. Because we're, there's no way I'm, I'm getting any of the 11 things that I'm looking at. <laughs> um, we're going to move on to something we call the three count now. It's going to be three quick questions and your answers. Uh, the first one is what has been on your music playlist this week? Um, this week, there's this really cool album called I Thought It'd Be Different uh, by this guy Rory. And he isn't actually on it. He kind of produced it and curated it. But yeah, I Thought It'd Be Different, this amazing uh, R&B album that came out a while ago. He's actually uh, good friends with my guy Kaz from The Ringer. And so, um, yeah, just 
fantastic album again. They they thought it'd be I thought it'd be different by Rory. Second question: What's the wackiest thing someone's accused you of on, on social media? Oh my goodness! Um, Keeping it PG. Oh, so no, of course I've listen. They've I've been accused of having you know relationships with some of the lady wrestlers. Um, and I'm like, where is this coming from? Like, I don't know what any of this is. But yeah, I've, I've been I've been the kids call it shipped. I've been shipped with with a couple of wrestling ladies, and none of it was true. As in relationship. Uh, yes, exactly. Nice. Exactly. I, I need I need to keep up with the the <laughs> lingo. Yeah. One of the other questions I had on the list that I, I that I was I'm just going to use it anyway is like two and a half on the three count. But uh, I wrote, "Why do people think we're WWE fanboys?" <laughs> oh man, you say something nice about one side and you're a fanboy, and you say something like I think the thing with being a WWE fanboy is Phil. A lot of people on Twitter have been on Twitter for a very long time and they came from different message boards and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. so when they see like a cam or a fill or whoever kind of get what they consider a leg up, then they start to really criticize the things that you do. Um, I think my biggest thing is I, I I'm 37. Now. I'll be 38 next month. Right. Like I don't have the energy to, to, finger wag and talk about everybody's every incident and morality and people think when you're not holding that torch up you're saying something is okay just like no i just want to talk about these people in these stories i can't i can't play police with you guys all day um so yeah it's and some of them are just haters like yeah it's just that if you don't hate wwe um you must love it and and be all about it existing and you must be carrying the water it's like no i'm just not mad like you like yeah. that's that's it. That's pretty much me too. And then like the thing of it too is that like almost everybody that I know from my generation grew up watching it. So yeah. I've just been watching. I mean, I've literally been watching WWE the entirety of your life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So but no, uh, and my thing is this, like I, I, um, I went to WrestleMania in LA and I'm at, um, I'm at SoFi stadium and I'm with a friend of mine. I said, look around. What do you see? And she says, I see people working here. I said, do you notice that every single person you've seen working in the stadium is black? Mm -hmm. She's like, oh. And so my thing is like bashing WWE for me and anybody else can do what they want to do. But for me to like be like, I want WWE to burn to the ground and death to the Fed and all that. That's a lot of black people and brown people without jobs. Yep. Like, like if I, and, and this is what I always, this is what I always say. If the evils of the white person in charge were how I decided to consume products, I wouldn't have anything. That's, that's, that's <laughs> a really nothing. good point. Yeah. Like it, just, it just, that's not how the world works. Like this thing is about, I am for the people, I am for the employee. And for me to be for the employee, I have to, at the very least, be tolerant of the company existing, you know? But I also right. like WWE. It's fun as hell. <laughs> I, it's very good right now. I'm having more fun yeah. watching it than I've had in a long time. Yeah. Um, last question on the three count. Uh, you can give me more than one if you want to. Who's someone we aren't thinking about right now who could be a huge star in pro wrestling in the blink of an eye? Um, I think, and we're, we are thinking, it's a little bit of a cheat code. Trick Williams, like, it's like them realizing what they had with Booker T five years earlier. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he's got that size, he's got that athleticism, charming as hell. Uh, 
the guys like him, the girls like him. I think he can be a really, really big star. Of course, Tiffany Stratton, but also that's people who are like on that trajectory. If um, if Top Flight can stay healthy, um, they got a shot at being a generational tag team. Those kids are really, really, really good. Um, Lee Moriarty is amazing. Um, as he continues to find his character, he's just going to get better and better. Um, yeah, and then, um, of course, um, I think that Sol Ruka, um, once she's back and healthy, you're going to see athleticism in a different way in wrestling. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're all over the place, yeah. Yeah, future is bright. Um, plug where people can find you and people can find your work before we For sure, uh, for sure. Um, so the ringer.com, um, I was most recently on the Ringer Wrestling Show talking about writing about L.A. Night. That's primarily where you can find my work. I think we're like... 14, 15 pieces deep. Um, so everything from AEW to WWE to the Monster Factory to, um, you know, Lita on a on Amy um, trying to find Rey Mysterio's masks, like all that stuff. Um, that's all on the ringer. Um, you can find my work at Fightful.com, uh, talking to Stone Cold Steve Austin, talking to Eddie Kingston, writing about um, some of the key great American bashes, like all that. We've, we've done that. Um, you can also find my, my monthly show on Fightful called um, My Point Is with Rob Wilkins. Uh, we typically do that show once a month on the weekends, talking about the goings on in wrestling. And then on the socials, um, Seahawk, C-E-E-H-A-W-K, um, on both Twitter and Instagram. All right, Cam. Thank you so much for joining me today at Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. We we, we need to do this again. This was yeah. this was a lot of fun. We got and, something uh, more to talk about. Yeah, I, I, I got a whole the... I got a whole sheet here yeah, that I didn't yeah, even let's... touch. Like, we hold on to that. Let's definitely do that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, and uh, take care, and good luck with everything you're doing. It's appreciated, Phil. Thank you. Thanks again, everyone, for joining me today on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. I'd like to thank Cameron Hawkins of The Ringer and Fightful for joining me today. Follow me on Twitter at Under the Ring for all the latest guest announcements, and have a great week, everyone. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.